everybody. Welcome to Agitator, the podcast to outdo all podcasts. The Lilo and Stitch fan fiction podcast. The the self help for the helpless. The and my kids my kids' room is a mess. Would you believe that my son started taking a shit as soon as we pressed record? Damn, just like on command. Mm-hmm. Oh, like in his pants, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, damn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to clean that up. Yeah. <laughs> you got that right. It's It's amazing whenever they start going on their own. I cannot wait. I thought that he was going to learn how to do this early because he has a fascination with when I go pee and poop if I'm peeing he'll run into the bathroom and he'll go pee pee so (laughs) I thought he was gonna just take to it but every time I show him his potty he's like I don't know what the fuck that is I don't care Rowan still will run in the room he'll just bust through the door and be like, you going potty? I'm like, yes. And he's just like, good job. <laughs> That's cute. Sometimes, unless you just want a moment of privacy in your life. Just just a little bit. Just like, you know. Sometimes, I stopped, I stopped really wanting it. I was like, this is never going to happen. So I'm just going to continue right. getting upset. So I'm just... Right. Just right. somebody who doesn't want privacy. I don't want privacy. I don't want quiet. I don't even want sleep. I like your attitude. I'm having a day today that's very similar to that, where I make little checklists now. I've had a lot of success with writing shit down at the beginning of the day and then seeing how much of it I can get done because it, it, it gamifies your day. It makes you want right. to you know, get these things done. Anyhow, today, just to show you what kind of day I'm having the top checkbox is relax (laughs) (laughs) hell yeah i would literally have to pencil that in because i do the same thing i've been doing i've been doing that shit for a while and uh usually the amount that i pack into a day trickles into it just keeps going you know there's unfinished shit so then the next the next day's list just starts with that unfinished shit Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh so literally, yeah, I just jam pack it. So if I want to do anything like play PlayStation, I have to put that on the list. It's important to schedule those types of things. You can't live your life with a toddler unless unless you schedule everything. If you leave it up to chaos, their energy is pure chaos. So you'll just be in this hurricane or tornado of nonsense so like you said literally everything you want to go to the Mm -hmm. store to i had on my list yesterday i had watch survive style five plus directed by jen sakaguchi the film we're talking about today that's checked off uh an edit that is cross through didn't make it Uh, another edit that's cross through didn't make it Get Lost Explorers 145 out, checked. Uh, Post Agitator Z, check. And then it's go to Target, 
And then it's underneath that I wrote mac and cheese, beans, water, and then I ended up buying, you know, snacks and shit. That's checked out. And then uh, pick up views pods. Check. You might think, why would you make a to-do list for going to the gas station to buy nicotine? Because, motherfucker, I got a two-year-old. That's the fuck why. Yeah, and you have to have things like, I could never schedule based on time, but I'll have things with the knowledge that, okay, what are things I can do when the kids aren't here? Mm -hmm. And then what are things I can do, like, in the middle of the night? And what are things I can do if Rowan is screaming at me or whatever, or that I can do with him, if that, you know, what can I do with him and stuff. So, and I don't have times for those. It's just like whenever the chaos, as it swirls around, it's like, okay, here's here's the list. I, I can do that right now. Okay, I'm going to do that. Right, right. I feel bad for his mom because last night she couldn't sleep. He wouldn't let her sleep. He's got another tooth coming in. This age, it's nonstop teeth. Me just too, teething, bro. Just teething. And, okay, we're good dads. We're better than 99% of dads. That is not an exaggeration. Yeah, no, not at all. Anybody who's listened to every episode of the show or knows us personally knows. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. like, I feel like some people are like, you know you're the dad, right? You could just, like, not do anything. <laughs> Oh, that made me Joker laugh. Um, But so I'm a good dad. I'm a good dad. But my one flaw as a father, besides, you know, the the physical abuse, the slapping him and the throwing him through windows and shit. My one fatal flaw as a father is that I do not wake up at night. I sleep like a fucking rock. And Rios (laughs) being the mom, she's got that mother energy. And so she wakes up. He sleeps with us and probably will for the majority of his formative. For the next 12 years. For the next 12 years. We'll, we'll all be in a big race car bed. It'll be so tight. <laughs> it's like whenever. It's like I, it, y'all are smashing. It's like you just feel weird. It's like don't worry. He's asleep. He can't. He doesn't know anything. He's like 16. <laughs> Oh man. Oh man. <laughs> Too funny. So I don't wake up though. I don't wake up. And last night was rough because of his teething. And so Rios didn't get any sleep. I wake up today and she made me a cup of coffee and she sets it on my end table like she does every morning. She's a real sweetheart. And I can just see it in her eyes. She's not here for the bullshit. But Gus, of course, can also sense that she's not there for the bullshit. Kelby, tell me what that means. Tell me what Gus wants to do. When he can sense that she's not there for the bullshit? Yeah. Well, I mean, that means his daddy time. That means no. his Tony Hawk time. No, it means that he wants his mom. It means that he oh. wants to bring he, <laughs> yeah. it means that he wants to no. bring the bullshit to his mom. So she's yep, being driven nuts, and he's screaming at the top was, of his lungs. I was giving him, I was giving him the benefit, you know. My, my man Gus, mm-hmm. what's he talking about? Anyway, long story short, he screamed and fought and didn't want to get his diaper changed. And the, the funniest bit was I took him away from his mom because she's trying to put her face on and get dressed, and he's you know clawing at her legs, acting like he's the most neglected child who's ever lived. 
So I pick mm-hmm. him up. I take him out to the living room, drinking my coffee, and I'm scrolling through Substack. I read a great uh, essay today by Eddie Rathke. Everybody should go read his Substack about uh, Brandon Sanderson, who's somebody who we will talk about on the Z episode. Uh, anyway, I'm sitting there reading this, and all of a sudden, he's got all of his clothes on. He's got his diaper on. But I don't know how his wiener got positioned like this, but piss just starts arcing straight out onto my computer, <laughs> all over my coffee. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it in my life. So between the screaming and the crying and the kicking and the punching and the piss, I, that's why my first checkbox today was relax. <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta put it in there. Or you mm. just you just might pull a Michael Douglas falling down. Mm-hmm. Except with instead of traffic, it's like kids. Like mm-hmm. that's it pick up a machine <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah oh that's very topical you saw there was another school shooting in uh, oh was there yeah no, where in, would i see this in nashville oh i don't know well you got an iphone right uh i i get much it's weird it'll be like um so here's what sydney sweeney would look like as wonder woman and i'm like i don't care yeah i don't care <laughs> i don't care she was good in White Lotus. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I think that might be the only thing I've actually seen her in. Just hear yeah. her name all the time. People talking about her tits. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, people need things to talk about. Um, so, anyway, yeah, there was another school shooting. And people trot out all the same talking points. I don't understand what they think they're they're really doing about all that but i don't know that was exhausting i wasn't going anywhere with that this time the shooter was transgender so that's a fun wrinkle it's like we get every we get a like a create a player school shooting game you know and we just get to try (laughs) try out new try out new characters different races different sexual orientations because that's the promise of america is that our school shooters will be diverse this is the country of inclusivity. <laughs> yeah, I was watching a Rowan. Rowan likes the Mandalorian. I, I don't like any of that Star Wars shit, mm-hmm. but he uh, he likes Mandalorian, and so we were watching the new episodes. And there was one on there where you know how this is something we've talked about before because Mike and a lot of different East Asian movies have. All kinds of inclusivity in that, like diverse characters, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. in a way that is that feels fun and celebrated and uh, interesting instead of like checklisted. So you can tell all the, you know, inclusivity and diversity we're used to. You can tell when it's forced. And I'm watching one of these episodes that has like, you know, this this queer dykish chick. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what they like to be called these days. I think that's it. I think they'd probably have zero problem with what you just said. Okay, so this dyke bitch, she uh, is like the main <laughs> character of this this de- It's like a detour episode that goes off on one of the side characters, mm-hmm. 
And she ends up being like evil at the end, like working for the Empire. Oh, okay. And I'm like, well, well, this is good, I guess. Because you can tell it's such a checklisted. It, it's just dripping in that like yeah diversity hire shit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you're like, okay, so y'all wanted to say that hey, gays can be fascist too. Mm-hmm. All right. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) It's progress. It's making it progress. That's what we're. That's what we're all about. That's what we're all about. That's what we're all about. I I think that the to people who don't understand what we mean when we say the the checklist nature of these types of shows, I I think you do. I think you know exactly what we mean. Everybody knows. Yeah. And if re- really just uh, watch watch like Fudo or something, and uh, mm-hmm, you can probably mm-hmm. find it free on YouTube. Watch the majority of everything we talk about. I mean, Kagihara is a style queer five. icon. Yeah, you Survive Style Five, man. Watch that. There's yeah, all kinds of shit in there. It's got Jay Jay West or I forget what that guy's name is. Jay White. Jay White, I think, who is a French Canadian and Japanese. He was the he's the chairman of Canada's Iron Chef now. Um, it's also got Vinnie Jones. Uh, no, no black Vinnie people. Jones. There's there's one funny painting of a black person in it, but um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, with the with the oranges. Yeah, yeah, getting punched in the not face. the fruit you would think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, what was I gonna say? I was gonna say something about that, but yeah, you know, I really want to watch this show, uh, Swarm. This new. It's like Malia Obama and Donald Glover. Oh, show. yeah, that looks great. Wait, Obama, one of the Obamas made it? I think so. That's what Rios told me. She said that Malia Obama really? was a writer for it, like on one episode. That's probably the worst episode. That's like when they had that uh, Nigerian activist write one of the episodes of Atlanta. And I was like, I'm going to pretend that this doesn't exist in my favorite show of all time. This was yeah. ass dude. Yeah. This was terrible. <laughs> Yeah, namely just because of the way that Nigerians are depicted in District 9 is how I choose to believe the country of Nigeria operates. It's all uh, scammers and weapons dealers, shit like that. Um, Except for my buddy OC from Nigeria. I love you, bro, if you're listening to this. Very funny comedian. I think he might be back in Nigeria now, but I always liked hanging out with that guy. He was a genuinely talented comedian. And uh, I think he got sent back to Nigeria, I think because he told his parents he wanted to be a comedian. And they were like, nah, come on back. Come on back. You're going to do this American Bro, shit. Bro, that, that is something people don't want to talk about, about like uh, modern day um, like African immigrants. They come from fuck tons of money, dog. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People just be sending their kids over here. Mm-hmm. Like, this is kind of disrespectful to African-Americans, I feel like. Speaking on behalf of African-Americans, mm-hmm. um, they they weren't given a choice. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, you're, and you're just, you know. And you just come over know. here? You just come over you here just, and you try to. You just have the audacity to come. Come, come over here, here try, and, <laughs> and try, try to be black in my country? I don't think so, bro. <laughs> it's the anti-immigration segment of the podcast. <laughs> But when I watch Swarm, I'm not going to be looking to make sure that they got enough white people in it. Because I don't care. It's a black show. And that's fine. 
I mean, if there's white and people, you, I'll be like, all right, but I'm not going to, at the end of it, be like, damn, we're losing our country because I just watched a television program with zero white people in it. I don't care, man. I don't fucking care. Yeah. Well, whenever uh, they were harping on Friends for whatever reason, big time back in the, I don't know, a few years ago, I remember Friends becoming a big thing. Like, we need to talk about how racist the show was. Uh-huh. And it's like, everybody I knew in person, because God knows all the shit you were seeing online about it, but everybody I knew in person was like, it's a white people show. Like, the fuck? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, right. I'm just picturing... Remember Glenn's joke on that episode I was on with him? Whenever he, we were talking about the Dilbert guy being racist? And Glenn brought oh, yeah, up yeah. Uh, the, the black Dilbert fan who's got like a, <laughs> a Dilbert do-rag and a pit bull named Dogbert. And he's like, oh, hell no. <laughs> Just picturing that guy, but for friends, basically, like the black friends fan. Like, he's like on the stoop. It's like back in the, it's like the 90s again for some reason in a Spike Lee joint. And it's mm-hmm. like, he's on the stoop with a... People fanning them, themselves with paper plates, and they got like that little eight-inch TV, and he's watching news of report just came in that Dilbert creator is racist. <laughs> oh man! And everybody turns to look at him wearing. The- <laughs> it's like he's going through a tough time right now. His whole worldview has been upended by this. Um, but yeah, no, the checklist thing is just so. I love. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say it, dude. I love diversity and inclusion. Why do I love diversity and inclusion? Yeah, yeah. Because it's hilarious. And it it offers so much opportunity to enhance the richness of television, film, books, video games. Because different people make uh, different types of art. So it's cool, man. I'm down for it. I think it would be cooler if there was more diversity and inclusion uh, from, you know, broke black people. That would be nice. Not the Ivy League educated black people, but you know, like the guy who wrote, uh, how do I put this? Dog Ningen? Is that the edited? That's the edited one? Like that guy. I want to get him on the show, by the way. I really want to get him as a guest on the show because I, he, he's so interesting and creative and such a bizarre person. Like that's the kind of I want to get Re-Up Latham, who wrote the Chicken Chasing series, and I want to get the, the, the dog Ningen guy. We're just going to get all these great black writers on the show. Quan Mills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People don't think he's black. I don't... But we'll, we'll get to the bottom well, of that mystery. We'll find he, out. I, I had that same suspicion at first because... And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Ivy League black people want to erase black culture. Ooh. Um, interesting. So, it's like one of those things that's lower, uh-huh. which to me seems pretty racist. It's like if you write a certain way, talk a certain way, act a certain way, you're lower class. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of fucked up. I think My so. My bank account can show that I'm lower class, but you, that's kind of, kind of fucked up to talk about people that way, just for the things that they like to make, enjoy. Mm-hmm. You showed me an excerpt from Chicken Chasing, and I was like, bro, this is the best shit I've read in weeks. And I'm not lying. I'm not saying this in a funny, ironic way. You know how some people do that? 
when things are really bad, they go, oh, this is the best shit I've ever read. No, mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not saying that at all. I'm the. It was propulsive. The voice was incredibly interesting, and I was fully engaged when I was reading that yeah. excerpt. I was uh, reading it on Kindle, and at the beginning of it, it was like four hours fifty five minutes left in the book, and I was like, I doubt it, because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. just like you just breeze through it. It has a voice like you're just talking. To the like this yeah, person is just yep. talking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want to save that though. I want to save that kind of writing talk because that ties in directly to some stuff I've been thinking about. Brandon Sanderson recently wrote a Substack post that did really well, responding to that Wired article. Few people didn't get what the fuck I was talking about, and we're still. Oh, that all that'll always be the case. Yeah, I kind of give it up on. You know, whenever I see a comment that just it completely went over their heads, I was like, okay, well, you know. You're, you're literally like, you should stop writing well. Yeah. And everybody's like, yeah, you're right. I should start writing better. <laughs> yeah. Damn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Being understood in, well, okay, let me put it this way. The need to be understood is ego-based and my practice now is try my best to be as much of a non-person as possible meaning i think very little i'm a person of action i don't put a lot of uh, i try to stop talking to myself because i mean it all ties into the way that my brain chemistry works and how i'm pretty much just tired of waking up every day and hearing this little chihuahua brain yapping at me from the second i wake up to the second i go to sleep so all of that is kind of tied into lessening the the self and not being so focused on the self all the time and being misunderstood i mean who's being misunderstood me so it's that's what they took from it there is no me there is no me it's one of my favorite parts of Survive Style 5 Plus, which we'll get to the summary. But real quick, you don't need the summary to understand what I'm about to say. There's a Hitman character played by Vinnie Jones of Snatch and Lockstock fame. Um, great face, scary looking dude, great voice. I love him as an actor. I wish he had been in I more stuff. I love Vinnie Jones so much. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I wish he'd been in more stuff. But he's a Hitman, and what he asks people before he kills them is what is your function in life what did your function in life what is your function in life um he does that first to a stewardess on a plane and she says well i'm here to you know bring hospitality to people And he's like you fucking ugly bitch you don't know what the (laughs) fuck and uh he asks the hypnotist who he kills the hypnotist says i hypnotize people and bring well, well first first he says oh right uh, right 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 i right, make right. ladies come that's right that's right that's right and then he gets stabbed and then the goat probably becoming one of my favorite actors asano tadanobu asano mm-hmm. he walks in wearing his fucking trench coat there's never been a man who's looked better in a trench coat pause but it's true kakihara now this i mean come on bro but he walks into the uh, the hitman's office to hire his services. We'll get to why later. And he says, what is your function in life? And Asano's character says, 
uh, I don't have one. And Vinnie Jones's response is so great. He goes, ah, cool, cool, cool. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt that, dude. I felt that, bro. Yes. What is your function? I don't have one. Yes. You get it now. Let's go. I'm a little dysfunctional, don't you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, tune in to Agitator Z. One more plug before we get into Survive Style 5 Plus. Uh, G.D. Bolin. His new book is called Rock City. It's put out on Broken River. We've gone into in the past what what being put out on Broken River means, which is basically that I helped Graham edit the book, tighten it up, sharpen it up. I got his interior designed. Kelby did the cover. Well, his, let me be uh, very clear here. Uh, Graham, that's his name, Graham Bolin. Graham's wife did the cover design and then Kelby did the full wrap. And then uh, the way that Broken River works is that those materials are handed over to the author to publish themselves on Amazon along with an ISBN so that they can, you know, they're free to reap the profit as, as they see fit. Again, it's, it's what I've been doing for the past four or five years with Broken River. Um, it's just good karma, and it's supposed to be uh, selfless and an antidote to the constant, uh, I don't know, just like scrounging after other people's coins that I see. Yeah, yeah. You know? and uh, I just want to see people succeed. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to see y'all flourish. I, uh... We might, we might get more into the psychology of this on Z or later or whatever, mm-hmm. but I've been um, trying to think of ways to scam people, and one that popped up <laughs> in my head, one idea that I had was publishing, uh-huh. and so that made me think. I'm like, yeah, why would anybody do this? Why would you seek out a publisher? It's right. a fucking scam. Right, right. Get to, do you want money? Why would, right. you, why would you want to publish it's a cool thing that I can do to facilitate people if I do it in this way, but you're absolutely right. Any other way, publishing, I think, is a scam, especially considering that most publishers now expect you to sell your own book anyway, and they exist largely as a... How do I put it? They're a, they're a symbol. They're a... Mm-hmm. They're basically now symbols. If you can learn uh-huh. to manipulate and use those symbols without the publisher, like what we're doing with Publishers Marketplace, oh, no. that shit, we're really hacking the system with that. Because yeah, uh, yeah, let's not put people on already, game though. Let's put let's, not, let's, let's put let's put Z Z on Z can be put on game, but not not the not the free people. Yeah, for five dollars, find out how yeah. to successfully publish your book yourself and keep the bag. And reap mm-hmm. the benefits of the big five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A rising tide raises all ships, and uh, if I was looking at it from a selfish point of view, which I'm not, but if I was, it would be that uh, if you or Grant or David or Graham or Eddie or anybody else who's affiliated with this uh, collective succeeds, I succeed too. I, I make it somewhere. Because I'll be in one of y'all's movies. I will, I will demand that. If a movie gets made of one of y'all's shit, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm dead, dead ass, bro. I have to be a clerk yeah. or uh, somebody who gets shot in the dick or, or somebody like that. That's my, that is my, it's not contractual, but 
That's the understanding. That's the it's bad karma to not to not do that. You're like Hitchcock for any Broken River adaptations. Exactly, exactly. I get put into the movie, and and that's the deal. But I think that um, I'm going to stop there. Uh, go get Rock City. It's a coming of age story about kids in a small town in North Carolina, and it's Graham's writing style is unobtrusive but poetic in just the right amount. He's got just that right garnish on it. It definitely it feels closer to a 2015 or 16 Broken River book because you know now we're on the cyberpunk wave. But I've talked to Graham a lot. I love his book. I love him as a person. And so I agreed to, you know, to do my thing. Uh, but also just because we get, you know, dozens and dozens of submissions on a monthly basis, even though we're closed, we're closed, we're closed, we're closed. <laughs> if, you send, if you send me something and you say, I know you're closed, but you're fucking dead to me. You're fucking dead to me. Don't do it. Do not do it. Don't don't send it to me either, please, because that's the next thing they do. <laughs> and now they've got, I won't even say who, but somebody else working the rep email mm-hmm. is now being like, so this person just sent me a book. And we're like, no. <laughs> no. The answer is just no. I make the decisions. Uh, I find the book that I like. And it has to occur organically. I'm, I have to develop a relationship with the person, and I have to like the book. It's a it's a very complex uh, system that I have going on, but also it's really not. So anyway, okay, cool. Um, Survive Style Five Plus. You want to give us a synopsis, Kelby? All right. So Survive Style Five Plus is about there's five loosely or barely not even at all connected fables that all tie in together at different points in the movie intersect if you will uh, it's a it's a japanese commercial pulp fiction basically where you've got one story is asano is this guy who lives in kind of a kind of an art museum house it's a really really interesting set um he's always He's got like different colored neon lights behind it everywhere, behind his fridge, underneath his table. Uh, it looks like a meow wolf. He lives he lives in meow wolf oh, yeah, out in the point. woods, and uh, he's he's trying to kill his wife. And he kills her, then he kills her again, and he kills her again, and every time he kills her, goes out to bury her. She comes back furious, probably that he killed her. But each time she comes back, she uh, and he's such a good he's such a good physical actor that mm-hmm. he kind of you notice when he notices mm-hmm. that every time she comes back, it has something to do with the way that he killed her. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he lights her on fire at one point, and she comes back with like these fire powers, mm-hmm. and then she gets hacked. Or no, she doesn't get hacked up. He cuts her up. He saws off her limbs and then buries her. And then she comes back and has like go-go gadget arms that, that can. Yeah. She yeah. just sends out like rockets to punch him in the face with, um, because she is some kind of kung fu master or whatever, and is always beating the shit out of him every time she comes back. 
Then you've got this family who goes to this game show. They're a great family. They're like a, it's kind of an older guy and maybe an older chick too, but a lot of Japanese women kind of have that Hispanic thing where it's like you can go one way or the other. And <laughs> you can you can look twenty your entire life, or, or you got to get look fat. like an old hag. Yeah, and uh, but and then and they've got two kids, boy and a girl, and they're uh, they're jamming out in the car to this great rock song that's all like suck a dick, you know. <laughs> he goes. He goes. Spread open your legs. See your little pussy. Put my dick in. Fucking you good. And it's this idyllic family like you said the family is just really well portrayed i like seeing nice stuff in movies too i like seeing functional family units and i thought that the whole kobayashi plot arc was just really wholesome which was nice and uh but anyway yeah that's one of the funniest scenes in the movie because they're japanese they don't speak english they have no idea what they're saying in the song <laughs> and it's the which is true shit I've like ever you know i listen to shit all the time you know i don't i don't speak japanese or korean so and i know a bunch of people who don't who listen to all of that shit i'm just like yeah you have no idea what they're saying which is cool i mean it sounds cool but <laughs> yeah it was i was thinking that while watching i was like damn yeah, <laughs> yeah. listen to the most famous they're like listening to icp <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm sure happens. I'm sure there are Eastern European families who are juggalos without knowing that they're juggalos. But uh, I'll pick it up here since you've been doing a lot of heavy lifting. There's another story about an ad agent who is played by I think her name is Kyoshi Kazawa, who was the the bar matron in High and Low. That's the only other role that I recognized her from. Right. Uh, right. And she basically comes up with different... She's, she's an ad agent, so she comes up with commercials. And she talks into a little tape recorder whenever she gets an idea. And her ideas are fucking stupid but awesome at the same time. She got They're an amazing. Idea. Yeah. They're very yeah. Japanese commercially. Yes. So she gets an idea for something called Monkey Records because she sees a coaster with a happy face that if you turn it upside down, it's a frowny face. And in her mind, the commercial is this grotesque, sloth-from-the-goonies-looking guy with an upside-down face on his forehead. And the head keeps spinning around, and they just argue about whether to order rice or bread. And every time she comes up with one of her stupid ideas, she, like, chuckles to herself. I liked her character a lot. Because she does yeah, she, <laughs> she, she does this one where, she, uh, where she's doing a, a commercial for aspirin, basically. And... That whole scene is just hilarious because it's this boardroom of old men and the, the head of the company keeps taking calls from his wife who doesn't know how to change a light bulb. So he'll interrupt this important board meeting and be like, oh, the light in the bathroom's off? Oh, damn, sweetie, I'm sorry. I'll, ch- I'll try to get that fixed. Anyway, so she, her her, her uh, headache commercial is a guy who's at an audition and he's got a headache and then the uh, he goes into the audition and this guy with an afro makes him headbang and whenever it's done she's essentially chuckling to herself very pleased with the way that it went 
and no, but nobody else likes her commercials, including her boyfriend, who's the hypnotist we mentioned earlier, who basically says your commercials are shit, and also your armpits smell really bad. Uh, so you need to work on that. So she hires a hit on him uh, that leads to he hypnotizes the Kobayashi guy into thinking that he's a bird, and then before he can unhypnotize him, Vinnie Jones comes out and kills him, leaving Kobayashi permanently thinking that he's a bird and oh and then there's the group of three ruffians uh with the aforementioned jay and the guy with the worst teeth i've ever seen in a movie and uh and then just a third <laughs> dude and what's funny about this you know this movie came out in the late 90s early 2000s the whole plot is just about these these men discovering that they're gay for each other uh and some of the best jokes too like whenever they'll catch each other's eye and this song comes on, it's like, come on, baby, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Uh, but yeah, the guy, there's this great scene where they're in a sauna together. And the guy with the, guy with the bad teeth, so the, the, the Jay White guy, his name is Jay in the movie, and he notices that his friend has a necklace that just has the letter J on it. <laughs> and he goes, what's that for? Uh, nothing, nothing, nothing. <laughs> but it's this hilarious, uh, clunky uh, plot about guys finding out they're gay. But again, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of sweetness in this movie, which is why I think it's the whole movie such a is cult sweet. classic. Yeah. Yeah. Even even Asano constantly killing his wife and then when I mentioned like like saying it and mm-hmm. having the image in my head and knowing what you know, how that might come across, like it's not mm-hmm. uh it's not gruesome like you think. Right, and he he falls in love with her again through trying to kill her over and over and her persistence and the fact that she beats him up but she also cooks for him. There's this great scene where she makes the biggest stack of pancakes and like two dozen eggs and some blue milk shit. I don't know what it is. And he eats all of it. Oh, and like a full on, what was that? Like a roasted ham or something that she, that she keeps cutting for him. So she feeds him. And then when he goes to light a cigarette, she starts kicking the shit out of him. Right? So he's being... He's being forced to confront all the things that he hates and loves about her every time she comes back, and he finally decides that he loves her, but it doesn't really doesn't really work out in the end, unfortunately. Why is that? What happened at the end? Oh, the hitman killer, right? The the hitman remember the Vinnie Jones shows up to his house because at one point he hired him to kill her. And oh, that's right. And he's like, he's like, I'm he's sorry. Like, no, 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 no. I'll take care of it. I'm so sorry. Again, this is another in the genre of every character being inexplicable. Well, not inexplicably, but basically in love with Asano and just thinking that he's the coolest guy ever. So Vinnie Jones is that character in this one. He's like, no, dude, I'll take, I got you. I fucked this one up. I was supposed to kill her. She's not dead. But um, the way that the movie ends is great too, because Asano's character goes to the hitman's office where they have photos on the wall of all the people they've murdered, takes her photo off the wall, burns it, and then jumps out the window, very nonchalant style. And you think uh-huh. he's going to he's gonna die Kakihara style, but is saved at the last minute by Kobayashi, the bird dad, who's learned the how to fly. <laughs> yeah, he flies. <laughs> and his son, too, that whole family is like, um, 
you know, they're taking him to the doctor. They're trying to figure out, like, how how do we unhypnotize him? And the doctors are like, you're asking me that? Like, I don't fucking know. This is awesome, though. This is great for science. Yeah, we can study him. Oh, this is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, and then the kid is like, uh, you know, I was telling my friends about Bird Dad, and they said, it's kind of cool to have a Bird Dad. And... <laughs> So it's there's some sweet, uh, some sweet shit with that. Very image heavy movie. It feels like a commercial, and actually the director, not a commercial for something, but it feels like a Japanese commercial. Yeah, just that chaos to it, but that like vibrancy. Uh, and it's like if it's selling you on anything, it's just selling you on a good time, right? Right. Which I thought was a great little little lesson a little tool for the toolkit was like sell people on a good time totally you can see in the youtube comments we'll link to it in the show notes because you can watch it for free of course no distributors putting this out right now people love this movie the comments are all this is the best movie i've ever seen and nobody knows about it and there are many reasons for that i'm sure but it's colorful it has the best set design I've ever seen in a movie. Just that haunted house, I think, is is worth the price of admission alone. It's um, it's not Tim. I think your Meow Wolf example is the best way to describe it. But you know, if you just set up something with these characters who everybody likes, or that are fun to watch, and then you have them interact with each other, you pretty much have a movie. You can just make a movie and have that be the whole thing. There's no big shootout in this. There's no, not really any big action scenes either, besides Asano getting, very stylistically getting the shit kicked out of him over and over again by his dead wife. But you just, you don't, you don't need all that. You can just have a good time and it's refreshing to people. Yeah, yeah. Even the hypnotist boyfriend who's a dick is fun to watch before he dies. Yeah, because you're happy thrusting. that he dies because you're like, yeah, fuck you. But yeah, he's always thrusting and saying that how he, he's like ripping off his chest hair and throwing it at women. And he has a <laughs> he has a cod piece that's shaped like a tiger. Um, it was also very funny to me that it was hyped up as like these tickets go for 100,000 yen if you scalp them. This is like the biggest show to come through Japan in years. And it's like the shittiest dog shit hypnotist ever <laughs> yeah it's like something that could be shown at the civic center here in lake jackson mm-hmm. it's just some, <laughs> some like rented space where this dude is dancing around in a tiger cod piece and some chicks and bikinis and then some guy in like a seeing like a dog outfit or oh i forgot about the dog yeah or... he's like he's like i'm a little sexy puppy so weird <laughs> Proto, proto furry shit yeah but oh the the best thing about the vinnie jones character is that mm-hmm. he has a translator mm-hmm. because they're saying that there's no hitmen and they're like foreign hitmen are the best mm-hmm. so so she pays the reason vinnie jones comes comes through is because the ad agent first hires him and so then he's he's in town you know doing work and uh 
she's like, I'll fork over the money for a foreigner to get the job done right. Mm-hmm. And so apparently British people are the best at killing people. And uh, But Vinnie Jones, he only speaks English. He only speaks English person English, Guy Ritchie English. And so he needs this translator. So every time he's... Uh, literally everything he says in the movie, the translator repeats. Mm-hmm. So when he's on the plane... And the chick is like, I don't know, how should I answer? Uh, uh. And he's like, you ugly bitch. And he's like the guy in Japanese is screaming at her, you ugly bitch. Mm-hmm. What's the funniest part about that translator is that he's got a really bad speech impediment, which I thought was a cool joke, that your translator has a speech impediment. I just thought that was clever. Yeah, I, w- yeah, I wasn't trying to do a racist voice. I was trying to actually do his voice. And yeah. like, he just he sounds he talks, funny every time he talks. He talks like this. He basically like this. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a good gag. It's a good bit. There's lots of great visual bits in this. One scene where the dead wife throws a picture of a horse at Asano's head. And the camera zooms oh. in on the spinning picture. And like the horse is running in the picture. I thought that was a great visual gag um i can't think of any other ones really but oh that go ahead i've been thinking a lot in terms of how because you know i don't i don't take a lot of inspiration and we've talked how neither of us really takes a lot of inspiration for writing from writing people always like how do you write well you read a lot i'm like no fuck that i like comics and video games and japanese movies um but so I'm always like the things that I do take a lot of the shit that I'm trying to translate is those visual that visual sh- I'm like what's the what's the prose version of this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like not, not not to make my prose sharper but the way that I the vibe I get from this movie the feel I get from this movie selling me on a good time mm-hmm. having all these visual like everything you can do with film this this movie feels a lot like there's things that they did because it would look cool yeah and you'd have a good like you can because it's a movie and you have a you have a camera you have you know the purpose is it's like the the medium is the message basically like the purpose is that it's a visual thing that we can do and it would look cool mm-hmm mm-hmm I agree and I think that if you were to write the horse scene you would just describe it that way as the picture turned end over end the horse inside began to gallop you might even take a full paragraph to talk about the life of the horse and then you zoom back out and the picture thunks into the wall next to the character's head there's a great bit that's too. exactly <clears throat> Go ahead. yeah yeah mm-hmm. no with the right that's exactly how you would do it with writing because that's what writing can do is it can pause time it can expand mm-hmm. and contract time Correct. you can go a whole paragraph describing something that if it was visual it would take two seconds exactly exactly that's the fun of it that's that's honestly the fun of it is being taken on time journeys there's a great bit in here too with two girls who are always on their cell phones and they're sitting in a diner and one girl just keeps getting progressively injured every time they appear (laughs) the first time she has a bandage around her head with a little blood spot on it and her friend not looking up from her phone says what happened to you and she's like i got attacked by a crow and she said yeah you're bleeding 
and then the injured girl says yeah crow beaks are really sharp and then this, the next time you see she's got a cast on and the, her friend is like what happened to you she's like oh, i almost got raped and then her friend pauses for a second still doesn't look up from the phone and says like are you okay and then the injured girl says i said almost so yeah i'm good i guess yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what the fuck <laughs> there's so many yeah that was hilarious dude's fucking i, I tried looking up his commercials and uh, <clears throat> youtube isn't a fan of showing me what he's done so i've got to do some deep diving still got to do some spelunking to find this guy's work but uh i was just thinking like this guy has to be represented in the ad agent i feel like I feel like this is him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because yeah. because everything it's like the coda is coming out through her where she's the board you know the the meeting with all the executives they're like we just want you to sell the product and she's like it's aspirin what else does it do mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i definitely felt that as well that was his i think that might be the reason why this is the only movie that he made because he said what he wanted to say about the advertising world. I did do a deep dive and there is nothing. There's nothing to be found about him. There is a page for the ad agency he works for that lists this movie. Uh, There are a few snippets here and there. His website doesn't give you anything. Uh, He just makes ads and it makes sense because he's probably making a shitload of money making ads. So why would you stop? doing that and uh you know i don't know how well survive style 5 plus did in japan i don't know i know it didn't do anything in america got a dvd release but didn't make a huge splash so he's living there are many different uh artistic lives to me that seem valuable one of them is being independently wealthy and making whatever you want whenever you want even if that means once every 20 years you make a movie, that seems to be the the lane that he's in. I think that's a really, I think that's a valid way to do it because I don't know if he didn't get offered these jobs or if he chose not to do these jobs, but after making a movie like this, you could see him going on a Tim Burton-esque career trajectory, right? Anytime there needed to be a colorful, weird, fairy tale style movie, he probably could have been up for it, but it doesn't seem like he did that he's kept selling aspirin yeah and i can see uh i like writing way too much to stop or to just like write one book every 10 years Mm -hmm. or whatever Mm -hmm. but i did i was set to like drop 12 books this year and i still want that to happen one year at least but i've been putting a lot of focus on samurai jesus i've been like just having you know, we dropped that a weekly chapter on the Patreon, and that's been where a lot of my creative expression has been going because I've been getting the bag by just talking into a microphone, just reading people's books and shit. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, why would I? I mean, you, the more fulfilled you are, I guess. I don't know. It, now, if I have more time, and this could be a thing for him too maybe if he had time he'd make a ton more movies but Mm -hmm. uh, he's occupied making commercials and shit but yeah no if i had time i'd definitely write 
just a fuckload. But uh, yeah, I yeah, do. Me, but me, me too. But is, is that making sense though? Like, there's the yeah, fulfillment. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you have the bag fulfillment and the creative fulfillment. So, you know, you're right. getting the money and you're <laughs> able to, you know, just do whatever you want. With, yeah, I mean, my my idealized version of the artist's life is the 12 book a year model <clears throat> because I do love writing. And I love, with writing for me, I haven't yet perfected the art of writing down a sentence here and a sentence there. I call that the, uh, the Matthew McBride model because he wrote his book, Frank Sinatra, in a blender, line by line, working on an assembly line. Whenever he could, he'd put a line in. I think that's a really interesting way to become a writer as a as an adult parent with a job uh i haven't quite mastered that yet my ideal life though is the kind of you know wake up in the morning exercise and then have a a, a fucking work day a six-hour work day where i write and then once that work day is done then i go about my life and do whatever that to me is the ideal but that has to make the money first. You have to be, you have to know that there's some kind of income that's going to come from that that day job that you have. And so I think the both of us are moving at a pretty extraordinary pace, all things considered. And once we get to a point where you know, where we have like 10, 15 books out over the next couple years instead of this year, uh, that might start that and this this Patreon might start to bring in enough money that we could realistically start to live that life that we that we desire to live yeah and we uh you know we're talking about how we have to get into ads and shit to before this movie and then i saw this and was like this is kind of what i want to do at least with some of them Mm -hmm. how she uh she's drinking the water and then she pictures these guys who have like terrible hair they're like muppet guys Mm -hmm. and they have bald spots on top of their head and sun ray halos around their head of hair and they pour this water on their head and start growing or no they don't start growing hair do they they're just like no they're refresh yourself yeah yeah. Little, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're, yeah, they're they're little kappa demons, little uh, turtle guys, like in Dead or Alive too. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it would be. I mean, that's the goal. That's the goal of us and everybody who's listening to this. Um, I'm done talking about this movie, and we're starting to get into Z type talk, so we're gonna wrap this up here. But I'll leave on this thought. And then, of course, Kelby, if you got anything else to say, you can go for it. But I'll leave on this thought is that <clears throat> there, it's good to have an idealized version of what you're... An idealized and also realistic idea of what you want your life to look like. And ours involves uh, writing full-time. So we'll talk about that more on Z. My last thing about Survive Style 5 Plus... Uh, besides just that it's a 10 of 10 and Asano is the coolest actor of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool, coolest coolest and hottest. I mean, ages like fine wine. Mm-hmm. Um, these movies, like Japan, there's so much philosophy embedded in the culture that you can't even have a goofy... Uh, this would almost be like... It, 
you know, it's close to Tim Burton set wise. It's got a. It's so Japanese, it's hard to say what it would be like, but it's borderline Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like, like A game Adam Sandler, right? But it's goofy. It's goofy as shit. But there is always some kind of. Uh, some kind of soul to like everything everything we talk about on here and in survive style plus through through the conduit of the vinnie jones character the hitman that connects all of these stories it's like you get the 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 feel the overarching uh takeaway of the story is that in disruption in antagonism in chaos experiencing all of these things is how you confront your purpose Mm 